I'm Sarah Elizabeth Smith, and this is the Theosophia Podcast, a platform for women's voices in theology. You can check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash theosophia and consider donating to this labor of love project for women's empowerment. Merry Christmas, everybody. God is with us, Emmanuel. Christians around the world are celebrating the birth of Jesus, the Godson who was born of the mother of God, Mary. The theology surrounding God incarnate as man, or incarnational theology, is the idea or beliefs that God came to be with us in our own flesh and take on our experience in this world with us. Therefore, our God is a relational God, one that wants to know us and share with us in this life. And to celebrate this theological moment in our tradition, I thought it would be really fitting to have the first couple on the podcast to symbolize God's relationship with humanity. God is relational, so therefore we too are relational. So in the spirit of Christmas, in the celebration of incarnational love and holy relationship, we're going to jump right into this episode. I'm so excited to share these stories. I had the pleasure and privilege to interview two of my very, very dear friends, Heather and Kelsey Davis. They are two of the most profoundly spiritual and intellectually beautiful humans I've ever known, and they happen to be married. I thought it'd be a fantastic way to end this year by hearing from two people who are in a healthy relationship and two people that make the world a better place by their being in it together. I firmly believe that life is better shared whether it be in a community or family or marriage or whatever it is, life is meant to be lived together and in relationship. That is one of the purposes of this podcast, to bring people together and to share our experiences and to hold each other up. And also along the same values as I mentioned in last week's one-year anniversary episode, Kelsey will be joining me on Theosophia for season two of the Theosophia podcast. I cannot wait to share our creativity and passion will be producing together. It's going to make this podcast even more amazing, and I'm so blessed and encouraged to start a new year with the hell of a talented and loving teammate. Okay, I'm going to stop gushing now. In this first episode, we will hear from Heather and Kelsey individually, and they're going to share their stories of faith and spirituality, and the next episode will focus on the two of them discussing their marriage and the what, how, when, and why of their decision to share in the sacrament together. So first up, Heather Davis is from North Georgia. She's currently working at Hospice Giving Foundation. She's the director of annual giving. Before moving to California, she lived in Nashville and worked for Thistle Farms and was the director of development and community engagement. And before Nashville, Heather was the co-founder of Upward Roots in Oakland, California. She holds a Master's of Humanities from San Francisco State University and a Bachelor's in Business Administration in Spanish from Western Carolina University, where she was also a student athlete on the soccer team. In her former life, she was a college coach and currently still coaches youth soccer. Next, hailing from Southern California, Kelsey Davis currently serves as the curate for Emerging Communities in the Episcopal Diocese of El Camino Real. Before moving to California, Kelsey completed her Master's of Divinity at Vanderbilt University with a Certificate of Religion in the Arts and Contemporary Culture. As she also served as the chaplain for young adults at St. Augustine's Episcopal Chapel and as the school chaplain for the Episcopal School of Nashville. 
She did her undergraduate degree in theology at the University of Portland and was a student athlete on the soccer team as a goalkeeper. And in her previous life, Kelsey was a professional soccer player, a collegiate soccer coach, a U.S. national team coach, and she also currently coaches youth soccer. Y'all, it's my great honor to share this interview with my dear sisters, Heather and Kelsey Davis. Merry Christmas. Here we go. So you guys, I'm so pumped that you're both going to be on the podcast. I think this is the first time it is that I've done two people at once, a couple, a unit. Um, so that's pretty cool. Do you feel cool? We feel pretty cool. I'm pumped to be on this thing with you, Sarah. <laughs> I love you so much, dude. I love you so much. <laughs> I miss you guys so much. I know we miss you. You got to come see us. All right, let's talk about first where should we do this one at a time? In terms of background? Yeah. Yeah, we can do that. Okay, Heather, talk to me. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? I grew up in a suburb outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And what what was your upbringing like, especially like spiritual religious background? Yeah, I mean, like any good Southerner, we, my family, I had two brothers, my parents were married, um, and we attended a Methodist church, and we would go in the Sundays, and we would do vacation Bible school in the summer times, and you go, and you put on your Sunday best, and you wear the socks that have the ruffles on the edge that drive you nuts as a tomboy. Yep, you know the ones that you're, like, ripping off. So we'd do that, and pretty much I, I liked going to church because afterwards on the way home, my dad would always stop at the Circle K gas station and let us pick out one piece of candy. Yes. Bribery. Yes. Yeah. That's so. brilliant. Methodist. Were both your parents Methodist, or was that like what they agreed upon? Because my I parents that- were not both Methodist. My mom was Baptist. My dad was Methodist, and they, you know. Well, that's a good compromise. Yeah, my dad actually was raised uh, Catholic and comes from a Mexican German Catholic family, mm. very, very Catholic, had like holy water in the house and mm. rosaries and statues and I mean, your classic Catholic family. Um, and he went to all Catholic schools. Um, my mom was raised Methodist. So I think it was mostly her kind of encouraging and pushing for our family to go to church and mm-hmm. um kind of get a sense of morality in a way Mm. and community. I think there is something there with community. My family's always been a little bit more on the shy side. So I think that was good for everybody. Yeah. So how about your faith? Is this something that you felt a sense of, like you had a faith or you cared about spirituality as you got older? Hmm. And how do you identify now? You know, Sarah, I don't identify now. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like, so I'll start there. Give me a little, give me a little nutshell spiritual journey. Cause you're a spiritual person, Heather. I am. I don't care if you don't identify. I'm going to go ahead and say you're something. Yeah. I would say spiritual is the right word. Um, because I didn't 
for me, church didn't really feel right. And books and hymns and none of that really fit my personality. Uh-huh. So as, as a little kid, I would spend a lot of my time in the woods and communing with the trees. This is true. This is 100% true. I was a little socially awkward. I, uh, I understand. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I had a pretty bad lisp. So what does one do? <laughs> uh, so I hung out with the trees. And they didn't seem to mind. Um, yeah. And bad bangs, but that's okay. That was just a phase. <laughs> but the lisp is still here. <laughs> um, so for me, it was always very um, incarnate in anything that's living and growing and moving. Um, and so for me, I always felt like God was very present in the woods or in a sunset or during the summers when I'd go spend the summer with my grandmother um, and she would take us to mass in the mornings and make us say the rosary, which I didn't care for, but I love the smell of incense. Oh, for whatever reason. And um, she really just taught me the power of deep spirituality, waking up early and stories and myths. And um, so I kind of witnessed it in her. Mm. And then I get to college and I like women. And mm-hmm. so um, the other option in college for finding kind of like a spiritual out- outlet was FCA, which was pretty conservative and traditional and going to a school in the South. Um, it was hard to kind of make those two things talk mm. like, okay, I'm a queer woman and I kind of want to seek out Christianity circles, but those things don't go together. So kind of had to forfeit one side of myself there. So Christianity went. Um, and then I moved out to the West Coast after college and after a couple years in, in a few jobs and um, attended San Francisco State University and had no semblance of religion or Christianity or anything, always still very present and knowing that. Um, there was a higher power around me, whether that was in poetry or art or running or being in the woods Mm -hmm. still. Um, But at my, in my master's program, there is like, I don't know, 15, 15 of us in a classroom. And I was consistently the only person that believed that there was a God. Mm. And so it was like going from my Southern context, then to this, you know, very liberal, West Coast. Where was is that? Your master's? Yeah, at San Francisco State. San Francisco State. Yeah. Okay. So then, being in that context was just like, kind of, I, I enjoyed that. Like, well, learning about creating a semblance of um, understanding society and the universe and ma- meaning making mm-hmm. without God and how people were making that work. Um, mm-hmm. So I w- it was fascinating. Um, and then after that. I decided to take a pilgrimage in Spain. It's called the Camino, and it starts it starts in the eastern side of the Pyrenees in northern France, and then you basically just walk west till you get to Santiago, Spain, where there's a huge old cathedral there. Hold on, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. How old were you? Let's see. This was 2014. I'm 32 now. 28, 27, 28, something. So like you're that. 27 year old 
woman Mm -hmm. by yourself. Yeah. You're by yourself (laughs) just walking around a foreign country. This seems like a bad idea. I know. I, I was the safest I've ever felt, truly. I didn't have any weird... I was you don't coming, even I was have a weapon. You don't even have, like, food. No, but here, like, let's put this in context. I was living in Oakland, California. Okay. And, um, and then going on this pilgrimage in Spain, I was like, yeah, I feel great. I was going out in the middle of the night, like, starting my walks early and, and never for a second was afraid at all. Um, See, in Oklahoma, people carry you know, firearms a lot for whatever reason, but it just, you know, that's my first instinct. Like what you're by yourself in a foreign country without some Mm -hmm. sort of, okay, this is, this is beyond the point you go to take a pilgrimage because why, what is it that you're trying to figure out? Um, I don't, I think I just had a, an array of questions that I couldn't like name necessarily. It wasn't like, I need to know if God exists. It wasn't something like that. It wasn't like, am I gay or straight? It was just like, I want to understand more about my human walk on this earth. And for me, I'm not one of those people that's like, I want to do this one career. I want to have 30 different careers or Um, I kind of want to poke around and look under every rock and just make sure that I'm really diving to the depths of my human experience. You're Um, contemplative. Yes. Yeah. You remind me of like the uh, desert fathers and mothers. Yeah, except I don't like the desert. Yeah, whatever. There's no trees there. Who am I going to talk to? Okay, be the forest mother, okay? Okay. Like I love that. Same forest thing. mother. The forest but, mother. But right? I would please like to be no no forest fairy. Can Uh-oh. I? No. No, that's not it. That's not quite it. Well, we'll think about it. We'll work think on this. About it. Maybe you can incorporate that in there, but like you're super contemplative, Heather. That's like one of the most uh beautiful qualities about you. Um which okay. your wife is too, but you take it to this next level. Of yeah. walking in a foreign country. How far did you walk? Uh, it was 950 kilometers <laughs> I can't really remember. I don't remember numbers very well. But what is that in miles? Someone I don't me. even know. Like 700 miles-ish. <gasps> I think it's usually about a third. 700 miles by yourself. Yeah, my feet were so swollen. Well, yeah. Yeah, it was... Um, it was life changing. It really was. But okay, what'd you learn? Like, I'm I'm still not over the shock of it and wanting people to be shocked because you should. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. Ah, uh, what did I to no- to normal people? You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, you're, yeah, you're, yeah. You're an extraordinary, fantastic person. So this is not a big deal for you. But <laughs> I wanna I wanna get at. So you just you had some things to think about, is what I'm hearing, and some yes. things to learn and some things to grow on. So what, yeah. what do we come up with? What? Um, well, in a nutshell, I guess. I mean, I had a lot of time to think because I was walking. 700 by miles by yourself. Yeah, so I had lots of thinking time. But I think, um, you know, at the beginning, I had – what a lot of people call like monkey mind. I couldn't focus. Like I kept, I was driving myself nuts thinking with thinking about like, how far is the next town? How much longer do I have? 
it was driving me nuts. And then I would think about as soon as I got to that town, then how far was the next town? And I was, I was yelling at myself, like, stop, you're going to be insane. Um, and so I took three days and the first day I thought all about everything in my past. I was like, today's the day. Let's just go for it. Every memory. I have a pretty bad memory. So it wasn't a full day really, but I like went all the way through every single memory. I tried to remember something from every year of my life or things that hurt me, things I love, smells, everything. Um, and held them all, all those people with gratitude. And then the next day I thought all about my present or I'm sorry, all about my future and all of the anxiety and worry and wonder and hopes and clutching and attachment that goes with that and control, a lot of control. I feel like that's um, what I do like every night when I don't sleep at all. You go through all that? Oh my God, yes. Yeah, it's... I'm, I'm a planner. Future is what I think about. I don't really think about yeah. past. I'm, I'm past. a big planner. I want to plan. I want to plan. I want to figure it out. I want to control everything. I know. I know. Like the queen of to-do lists. Yes. So, and then the third day I said, okay, it's all about present. And so that third day I was like, I'm just going to be right here and try and notice as much as I could. And then from then out, it was all just about noticing and being open and trying to be present as best I could. And the thing that helped me the most with being present was actually pain is that my feet hurt so bad Mm -hmm. that it kept me literally rooted in every step Mm. because I was like, my feet were huge. I would Mm. elevate them at night and they're huge. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was something that helped me. Um, So so you took on like particular spiritual practices during this journey. Yes. I I mean, that's what I would call it. I I wouldn't say it was in. Yeah, it wasn't intentional. It was just it was organic though. It was like this organic yeah. like um spiritual I don't know, asceticism. Yeah. Asceticism. Mhm. Definitely. Um so I learned a lot about presence. I learned a lot about Um, I mean, the Camino is like a metaphor for life. It's like all these people from everywhere, from Germany to Australia to Illinois to like your neighbor that you run into out there. And you're just like, everybody's on the same path and we're all walking, but we're all doing it a little differently. Mm -hmm. And people are driving you nuts Mm -hmm. and people you love and want to hang out longer with. And um, everybody does it differently. People are like jamming to boom boxes Mm-hmm. and some people are walking barefoot. Um, so it's, you run the gamut of like mm-hmm. the human experience, like boiled down to this one path. So I kind of learned a lot about just cult, uh, cultures and humanities and being open and more fluid to the way people live their lives and just mm-hmm. kind of like, let it be. And like, I'm just going to do what I need to do and what feels natural for me right now. Mm-hmm. And like maybe that means I need to walk away from this conversation with this awkward guy from Illinois that I keep thinking of <laughs> in particular. <laughs> so so you then, come back or yeah. what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, so after that, it, it did change a lot for me. Um, yeah. What changed when you got back? Well, um, I think I was, I don't know, something in me, like the nut had kind of cracked enough that I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't crawl back into my old skin. Um, I just like, it didn't fit right anymore. 
And the interesting thing about that is that's exactly that next week is when I met Kelsey. Oh my God. I'm not even kidding you. Yeah. The next week, my feet were still swollen when I met her. (laughs) (sighs) My mind is blown. And I think that's a good segue into talking about Kelsey. Give me to Kelsey. Thank you, Heather. Thank you. You're welcome. Great. But I'd forgotten about that, that walk you took. That's huge. I mean, that really in, like captures you as a person, I think, and just how you, how you think, how your spirituality works. I mean, that's, that is, it's awesome. Cool. Thanks, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelsey. Yes. Where'd you grow up? Mm. I grew up in Southern California in a suburb called Thousand Oaks. The one that's on fire right now? Yeah, and the one that unfortunately was just in the news too for the mass shooting. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's where I grew up. That's my hometown. Mm. What was your spiritual and religious background? Uh, you grew up unchurched. I grew up, I am an unchurched churched person now (laughs) very very churched probably another wants you to be yeah very churched um yeah i grew up um an only child um a mom and a dad and um my parents were parents of the hippie generation so they were pretty liberal in their thinking and um pretty fluid and open um you know, and so I, I did not grow up in church whatsoever. Um, I grew up, you know, the, my moral character was shaped by, remember my dad reading, you know, the book of virtues to me or just kind of bedtime tales. And, um, he had majored in Shakespearean literature. And so he, I remember my dad talking to me about Shakespeare and literature from when I was really little. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up around literature, um, and that actually is how I fell in love with the story. Mm-hmm. And it's part of the reason why I'm a Christian today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I grew up also down the street from a beautiful family from Texas. And um, I started hanging out with them when I was about five years old. And um, because their daughter, my age, we played soccer together. Mm-hmm. And they became very quickly, you know, my second family. And you know a good Texan when you see one. And so um, I went to church a little bit growing up, you know, with them, um, Sunday school. And I remember, Sarah, I have this one very distinct memory of being in Sunday school. I probably was like eight years old. And it was the first time walking in. And everyone was making those God's eye out of yarn. Did you guys ever make those in Sunday school? Probably. It was like this super creepy, it was like popsicle sticks in a diamond shape with like colored yarn okay. around. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember thinking, who are these weird people? <laughs> and what is going on? And it freaked me out so badly that I did not broach the threshold of a church until about 10 years after that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what? What drew you back? What drew you? What drew you to Christianity? Girls, man. Yeah. If I had a dime for everything, yes. I would. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
People I, are like, why'd you get into CrossFit? A girl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's the tr- it's the truth. It um, you know, I feel like mm-hmm. um, you know, I joke that I found girls in Jesus at the same time, but it's the truth. Mm. You know, my first like serious love interest was a raging Christian and she told me all about Jesus and all this gospel stuff and because I really liked her I started going to youth group and come to find out that my neighbor was a youth group pastor and he had just kind of failed to mention that at the time Um, and so there is there is some stuff you know some spirited stuff in the works and so I started going to his um, youth group on Wednesday nights but as you know, as an athlete and Heather too, that, you know, my attendance at the Wednesday night youth group was spotty because I always had practice. Um, But that was really my first introduction was, you know, when I was 15, 16 years old, you know, starting to fall in love with my first girlfriend and um, wanted to connect with her. And I showed up and I loved it. Um, I loved the story um, you know, the, all the biblical stories I was learning and the gospel story and this Jesus character and the people were really welcoming and wonderful. Um, it was really my first exposure to a serious peer group outside of sports. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I felt like I could belong there. But you also had a sense of spirituality before Christianity, it seems. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. My, my family origin has a lot to do with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, my grandparents were Episcopalian. Right. Um, so I remember like my grandfather would send me the Sunday bulletin every week with a sweet little handwritten note at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my dad um, has Armenian and indigenous roots um, in Choctaw, Oklahoma, actually. Mm-hmm. And so my dad, even though, you know, he, we weren't religious people, he was a deeply spiritual guy. And so we talked spirituality, um, you know, the meaning of things, a greater, higher power, all that kind of stuff from when I was really little too. Mm -hmm. It was, that was always a conversation that was present in the household. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the, the irony of it all is when I came out, when I was a teenager to my parents, they were fully embracing, loving, awesome. Mm -hmm. My dad was like, yeah, I've known since you were, you know, little and I've just been waiting but then about a year later, I told them that I wanted to get baptized mm-hmm. into, you know, the Christian church. Mm-hmm. And my dad was like, what are you talking about? Oh get God. in the car. What? <laughs> Identity crisis. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what do you mean? Get in the car. And like, I remember he drove me over to Barnes and Noble, took me straight to the world religion section, yeah. grabbed a couple books off the shelf and was like, here, like read these books. If you still want to be into this Christianity thing and go through with it. I'll support you, mm-hmm. but please promise me you'll never try to convert anyone mm. and you'll always respect like the vast mm. of yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, at 16 years old, I was like, yeah, dad, okay, whatever, you know, but, but I still remember that conversation and yeah. try to try to honor that. Yeah. 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 I love that part of your story. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so backwards and so many of our friends right you know, so. especially you know heather and i grew up as southern women you know it's it's such a different uh cultural experience um so different really? Really? so 
So you go to undergrad to a Holy Cross school, which I did too. And that's why we fell in friendship, love with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we've never, you know, been more than that. We've just been bros. And uh, that was the first thing that connected us was sports and theology because mm-hmm. we both studied theology Catholic. Did you do systematics in undergrad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We both did Catholic systematics. You were at Portland. I was at Notre Dame. And when we met, we were like, dude, let's just, <laughs> let's just talk. Let's just drink and let's just talk. And I feel like that's what we did mm-hmm. most of the time or watch sports, you mm-hmm. know, or play the sports. Mm-hmm. So why did you study the, why did you study theology at Portland? It's a great question. Um, and Portland was such a huge part of, of my spiritual and theological journey. And um, probably super different than the language you were kind of learning in a evangelical oh, church or what, where were you? Yeah. Yeah. Just exposed? a non-denominational yeah. church. Yeah. And then I was, you know, flirting with evangelical churches. Um, and, um, yeah, I got to Portland. I had transferred there from UCLA. So it went from 30,000 to 3000 people. And that was one of the best, that was one of the best, um, gifts of the journey out at Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, I really got a sense of what community meant. Um, and not that I couldn't find that at UCLA, but I needed a smaller setting to yeah. be able to explore that. I did too. You know, because now I have the language for this, but I have a, a deeply incarnational theology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so for me, relationality is where it's at. Yes. And um, it's where it's at for our marriage too, I think, which we'll get to. But, but yeah, being at a Catholic school in the middle of Portland, Oregon, you know, so you have this assumedly conservative bubble, right, in this more liberal city. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I had never been exposed to the Catholic church. I'd never gone to mass, um, never really even, I didn't even know what the word sacrament meant. And I remember, um, I would go for walks along the bluff, you know, between classes or after practice and sit in the trees and just kind of contemplate things and, and read and write. Um, I was going through a lot as a young adult. And so I needed a lot of space and time to process. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember walking by the chapel doors and there are these big, beautiful wooden doors that have these carvings in them and always wanting to go inside, but not know, really understanding why I felt that urge. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I opened those doors and they were unlocked and I walked through them and there was this you know, beautiful baptismal font Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the candles, you know, lit off to the side and the space was open. And I remember feeling like I just stepped into something sacred mm-hmm. and I had no language for that. I just remember feeling a sense of peace and belonging and joy. Mm-hmm. And I touched the water, which I didn't know if I was supposed to do or not. And I went over and I lit a candle and I sat on the floor. I didn't mm-hmm. kneel. I just sat down on the ground. Mm-hmm. And, and just prayed. Mm-hmm. And I did that religiously every single week mm-hmm. until one week I got intercepted by one of the Catholic priests 
who mm-hmm. saw me going in and said, why don't you come to mass on Sunday night with us? Mm-hmm. And it was after season. And so, you know, it was in the winter. I remember it was mm-hmm. cold. Mm-hmm. And so I had the time and the space to be able to do that. Um, and I remember sitting in mass for the first time and watching the Catholic priest get up and give the homily. And I don't remember what he said, but I remember feeling like these are my people and Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to be close to whatever's going on here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And then I also want to learn how to do that, what Mm -hmm. he's doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember sitting in worship at mass and be feeling carried by the liturgy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I had never felt like I had never felt that in a worship Mm -hmm. service before I felt carried by it. Mm I remember walking back out and it was dark and just thinking, I think I just found my place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then realizing, yes, and <laughs> yes, and if you really feel called to ministry, um, there will be a ceiling for you in the Catholic Church. And so I had this first glimpse of these, this beautiful liturgical sacramental life. Mm-hmm. And absolutely fell in love with the way it smelled and the light of the candles and the flow of the liturgy and then realized, well, what does this mean for me as a queer woman in the world? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that was a huge part of my journey. Um, let alone, you know, my dad died in college, mm-hmm. you know, he died by suicide and mm-hmm experiencing spiritual direction for the first time, you know, going on a silent retreat and then also processing my dad's death, um, you know, exposure to really the gifts of spiritual direction, but also um, the gifts of the priesthood, you know, and the availability of priests to really walk, walk with us Mm -hmm. in those, those intense times of life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I started to really actually, delve a little bit more into the common life of the church Mm -hmm. um, while being very much so an outsider. Mm -hmm. Um, And then faith and sexuality stuff kept coming up because I was still going to an evangelical church and it was Mm -hmm. love the sin, hate the sinner. Mm -hmm. And I just could not reconcile that. I could not understand how can you tell me you love me, but then the way that I love is deemed this terrible thing. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I was majoring in English, um, planning to teach high school English. And the questions that were being born in me were so pressing um, that one day I was in Germany with a national team writing a paper on Winesburg, Ohio. And it was like a 20-page paper. And just like, I love that novel, but like just like churning through it. And I stopped and I looked out the window and it was raining and I remember pausing and, and thinking, you know, what do I actually care enough about to write a 20 page paper about? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all of these other questions, like I want to do exegetical work, you know, like I am in love with each word of this text and this lived experience of these deep questions um, I had I had too many questions um, to not major in theology and not study mm-hmm. theology, and so mm-hmm. I flew back from Germany, walked into my advisor's office, and said, "I'm going to be a theology major." And mm-hmm. um, kind of the rest is history from there. Um, 
but I definitely feel like it was prompted by faith questions of faith and sexuality and then has just, you know, gets deeper and more expansive with every day that I live right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, last question Yeah. about this. So what made you go get a graduate degree in theology? Oh, what made me go get a graduate degree? Um, well, it's kind of your fault. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> kind of your fault. You. Yeah, kind of your fault. You know, like I said, my my, uh, you know, the theology that I I feel like resonates at this time is is a deeply incarnational and relational theology, um, and some combination of you, Sarah, as my friend who had already gone ahead of me in divinity school and you were my buddy and we had so much in common um, that you were on the phone with me, living my questions with me, mm-hmm. you know, and that combined with, with meeting Heather, I think in just the space of life that was opening up and her deep spirituality to encourage and support, mm-hmm. support that. And then, and then the, the subtle knock of my heart and my spirit, you know, I, I knew I needed to go, go back and I need to go pursue, pursue theology and a divinity degree. And I was coaching college soccer at the time. It was like a total right hand turn. But I mean, if you would have walked into my office, you know, all of the books next to my computer were, were, were theology and spirituality. So like in all my down moments when I wasn't planning sessions, you know, or coaching people, I was reading theology and, and journaling and writing and, yeah, I was like, man, this is the passion. I mean, I love sports too, but this is the passion yeah. of my my soul. Yes, and so I think the combination of all of those different voices and relationships um, was like the perfect, beautiful storm to 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 make the leap. And and I will say too that I was working, I was doing the pub church at Kier, you know Kiri in Fort yeah, Worth, yeah, yeah. and so that had become my worshiping community and. I was helping to lead that for a little bit. And so that was really my first glimpse that, you know, it was started by an ELCA church that this, the sacramental and the liturgical could mix in this creative Mm -hmm, in this mm -hmm. creative emerging way. Right. And I was, I was pretty keen on the emergent church movement. I was reading a lot of Peter Rollins and Brian McLaren and Rob Bell and Phyllis Tickle and, yeah, And so I was like, you know, if, if I can sit in this liminal space between the orthodox and the unorthodox, uh-huh, and that uh-huh. can be called something good, I want to go after that. Thank you so much, Heather and Kelsey, for sharing your stories to the world and being a source of inspiration for God's incarnational love through your relationship. Next week, we will focus on Kelsey and Heather's theology of marriage and why the sacrament is important to them. You can find Theosophia on all the social media sites, and be sure to stop by our Patreon page and consider supporting this Labor of Love podcast. We'll see you all next week for a lovely conversation with Heather and Kelsey Davis. Until then, have a wonderful week and a Merry Christmas. Peace, y'all.